Going In Raw is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can still listen to Going In Raw wherever you get your podcasts, but we hope you'll give CastBox a shot. We think it's the best. Hey guys, this is Charlotte, and you're watching Going In Raw. What's up, it's your girl, Sasha Banks, Legit Boston. You are watching Going In Raw. Like that? What's up? This is the most must see WWE superstar of all time and his lovely, gorgeous wife. <laughs> and you are going in SmackDown Live. This Ugh. is the glorious one, Bobby Roode, and you're watching Going In Raw. Hey, Brendo, Steve here. And Larson. Yeah, welcome back to Going In Raw, the only pro wrestling podcast you need to be listening to right here at youtube.com forward slash Stephen Larson and available wherever fine podcasts are. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. And the notify bell next to it on YouTube if you want to make sure you're always getting your daily going in raw notifications. Mm-hmm. Also available wherever fine podcasts are, including CastBox and, of course, the Apple iOS podcast app. We recently switched servers again, uh, which means that I think everything seems to be okay so far. It's been a couple little hiccups along yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, we're working to smooth everything out, so hopefully soon that'll all be done. I know on, I think on the iOS podcast app, I think there's a little thing that says, this is moved locations, and you just swipe swipe one button. Maybe that was in Castbox. Castbox. That was on Castbox, and it just it goes over. Everything else should be normal. If there's any problems with any of the audio format stuff, yes, please let us know. This should be the last time we switch servers in a very long time. I would hope. Um, uh, let us know. Let us know on the Twitters at Real Going In Raw. Yes, please. And we will have our people work on it. Uh, we're also on the Patreon patreon.com forward slash Stephen Larson. It's a fantastic way to support going in raw. You kick us some money and we kick you stuff. For example, 20 bucks, you get to have your video question answered on Matt chat every week. Correct. Whatever month you've pledged. And you get the friend of care package. It's a comic book stickers and a poster and a postcard. Uh, it's a great deal. And it also helps the show. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, this is exciting. Larson NXT takeover. Another, Chicago, yes. Chicago 2. Mm-hmm. Another solid outing from TakeOver. Um, my only qualm, and I think it's kind of yours, a little predictable. Yeah, but when the storytelling is, is as good as what it is. See, like for me, and granted, everybody's different. I don't really mind spoilers of results. Sure. But for me, it's process. I want to know how we get to the destination. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's more important than the results. Yeah. I mean, shocking stuff happens from time to time. I understand that. And typically, I really don't care if shocking stuff is spoiled for me. Mm-hmm. I only care, I care primarily, not only, but primarily about process, how we get to that point, to yeah, the end too. point, and yeah. what story is being told along the way. So in that sense, predictability doesn't really bother me because there's a lot of great story beats happening in pretty much all these matches. There, if, if there, I'll, I'll, I'll add a caveat to there because I'm, I'm with you. However, if something truly shocking happens, I do prefer to watch it live. But I don't really mind if I kind of know. I mean, it's wrestling. You can usually figure things out in advance uh, unless it's like, you know, like Okada, you know, Luke dropping his title to Omega. They're mm-hmm. really good at that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but no, with TakeOver, you know, you kind of figure Shayna Baszler was going through Nikki Cross because, for one thing, it seemed obvious that Nikki Cross is heading to SmackDown with Sanity. Mm-hmm. And, and it seems obvious they're keeping that belt on Shayna and Baszler yeah, for a little I mean, bit. Just character-wise, it made sense. Shayna Baszler was going up against something that she's never seen before, you know, pure insanity, yeah. if you will. And uh, and so, you know, how is she going to get through that? That's that's her journey right now, yeah. is figuring out different types of, of competitors, of opponents. Um, similarly, Aleister Black... He seems to be sort of on the Finn Balor track. Yep, definitely. You know, he's not going to be dropping that title anytime soon. No. I guess it was a maybe a bit surprising to to throw Lars Sullivan in there so quickly. But I yeah. think his loss, I thought, was really, really well done. Yeah. And he needs to lose because otherwise you're just doing the undefeated thing. And yeah, it's just, yeah. It's also, I feel like Lars might be kind of in, in the same category as Velveteen Dream where they're developing them not necessarily for massive success in NXT, but for massive success on the main roster. I think you might be right about that. Yeah. Um, the only, so like on predictions wise, look, I knew Velveteen Dream was going to lose. The optimism in me uh, was hoping that maybe this would be part of a, a larger feud that would last several takeovers and maybe he would steal the first one. Um, plus, if I didn't choose that, uh, we would have literally just had the, it all would have come down to the prop bet, which, there is going to be some controversy with the prop bet. Hey, 
Was there booked to be three black We're, masses? We'll talk about it when we get there. We'll talk about it when we get there. Because no, it doesn't matter what was booked. What happens in the ring is what matters. Well, I mean, Alistair Black delivered three black masses. He delivered one and like a half. Black mass needs to hit the face, needs to hit the head for it really to count. He whiffed on one of them completely. Yeah. So one of them literally did not connect. Well, that's as far as I'm concerned, that's the only one that's in dispute because the other two were definitely black masses. The other one, two was a black mass to the upper arm. Well, Lars is a large guy. So he needs to hit on the head. Well, he hit on the head eventually once he was down on his knees. Yeah. But that was on the shoulder. That doesn't really count yeah, as a black didn't he, mass. Didn't he uh, give Adam Cole a black mass in the armpit and won a match because of it? I guess we're talking about this now. Yeah. Anyways, and so it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have counted, counted no, back then three, either. It was three. It was no three. way, man. Obviously. Three? What do you mean three? You already said one didn't count. No, I didn't. I so said one missed. One missed. If it misses, then it doesn't count. No, it was delivered. It's it was simply booked an to attempt. Think. It's an attempt. But Lars sold it like it hit, like it connected. You don't know that. He might have just he might have just fell down because there was a strong no, wind. He, there was a strong gust the, that the, came the in. The foot passed by him. He took a beat to realize what was going on, and then he he. Nah, maybe he just freaked out a little bit because he's like, "Whoa, that was close," and he fell. No. It was a flinch. No. It was a flinch, and a flinch no. doesn't count because then Alistair Black covered him, and Lars kicked out at two. If it was a flinch, if it was just I being love, shocked, then he would have kicked out immediately. I love number one. Okay, obviously, all three of these were supposed to connect. Lars Sullivan, yes, was supposed to eat. They were the story is supposed to be Lars Sullivan eats three black masses. I just find it hilarious. That really only one mattered. The other one was like right here. Well, like I said, I think I'm pretty sure Adam Cole took a black mass to the armpit and lost. The armpit is a very, very sensitive area, Larson. It's not they're, really they're that sensitive. like a, a, a neurons connected from the brain to the armpit. You didn't know that, did you? It's not true. It's actually not true. Actually not true. Anyways, uh, the show started with a wildly entertaining oh, heck tag yes. team. You're going to hear the term wildly entertaining. Yeah, like I can't think of a, a point in the show where I wasn't wildly entertained. Undisputed Era, who are massively over with the Chicago crowd. The top faces for the Chicago crowd, easily Undisputed Era. Oh, yeah, big time. Took on Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch, the scrappy underdogs. Mm-hmm. Um, Hard-hitting, yeah. physical. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, mat the match can be summed up in those two words. Hard-hitting, mm -hmm. physical. A couple of really, really great spots, one of which is when... Uh, Oni Lorcan uh, was up on the top, ready to do a uh, oh the they they later the doomsday do device the thing. doomsday, but it ended up being with the European uppercut. Yeah, Adam Cole put no was it Adam Cole who no. pushed him off? Who pushed no. him off? It was uh, oh Kyle 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 O'Reilly pushes him off and he hits apron then fl ow that hurt he, he did it he did he floor. did a flat back bump on the yeah. apron ow and then the yeah oh man that was good. That, that looked really, like it hurt. It looked like it really Because early on the match, uh, Lorcan and Birch hit their finisher. It's sad because they're a... Uh, and then, and then O'Reilly came in to break up the pinfall. They're supposed to be scrappy underdogs, Larson. But the, oh, the crowd was not behind them. No. The crowd was booing the crap out of them. Yeah, they wanted Undisputed Air to win. Yeah, big time. I mean, they gave him a, an ovation at the very end. After yeah, it was a great match. Because it was a great match. So they gave their propers. The, the respect man. prop. Yeah, the respect or propers. respect pop. Sorry. They gave him their propers. Yeah. There's a great spot where only Lorcan hit a double blockbuster off both on both members of Undisputed yeah, Era off fine. the apron. That, was, that was fantastic. That was good. Uh, Adam Cole, uh, towards the finish, about three minutes left in the match, got tossed. Again, the crowd, because he um, uh, they had they got the pin on, I think, Kyle O'Reilly? And Adam Cole comes over and uh, grabs Pulls Kyle O'Reilly out of the ring after mm -hmm. they Lorcan and Birch hit that European uppercut doomsday device type, mm -hmm. type move. They did uh, one of those spots where uh, both Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch had... <coughs> undisputed error in their uh, submission holds Yeah, um, at the same time. And Kyle O'Reilly kind of rolled uh, Danny Birch in a cross face, kind of yeah. rolled on his back and kicked mm -hmm. uh, Oni Lorcan in the face a couple times to break up Rod, uh, the hold he had on Roderick Strong, which is a, a half crab. Yeah. Um, but in the end, Roderick Strong pins Oni Lorcan after uh, this iteration of Undisputed Era tag team mm -hmm. version of total elimination, slightly different than how Fish and O'Reilly do it, but at his heart, the same thing. Mm -hmm, yeah. Picked up the win. Fun match. Physical. A lot of stiff forearms and knees and kicks. I love it when Kyle O'Reilly, like at the beginning of the match, just lays down his back. He's like, come on. Oh, I know. I, come I on. Know, I know. Come try to fight me down here. I, like I love he, it. I like when he walks into the ring and he's doing like the squat type thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. The MMA squat thing, whatever he's doing. Yeah. And I like that they have, and I, I'm, maybe they've done this before, but I think just the crowd was so much into it. The uh, when Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly both did a gesture with the Adam Cole baby, 
I hadn't noticed that before. Maybe oh, they've done like, it before, yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's, it was just really super effective with the crowd yeah. being so into it. Yeah. Um, man, what a flipping faction. Oh, oh, the best. I love them. They're the, They're the best thing in NXT right now, as far as I'm concerned. They're the best. Uh, moving on, we had... Although uh, these two competitors here, Velveteen Dream and Ricochet... I've said this before, man. Velveteen Dream, he's he's tops for me right now. Yeah. The level of creativity, and I'm really curious as to what the clearance was. Oh, for his entrance? What the for his entrance. Well, let's talk about it because it works. Hold on. This is crazy. This is crazy. So he came out in full Hulk Hogan attire. Not full because he had Prince Puma tights on. Like literally, I'm pretty sure Ricochet just gave him those tights. Seems like because they were the exact ones that look like he was wearing at some PWG show. There's a picture. Right. Of there's a picture of it. They're like the exact the same. Exact same. Yeah. If so, someone in in WWE's art department might be brilliant in terms of recreating stuff, otherwise Ricochet just said, "Here, wear I my tights." I kind of feel like it'd just be easier to say, "Hey, wouldn't it be great if I came out?" The brilliant what, kayfabe. What? How that? How that happened? Then Velveteen Dream literally go to Ricochet's house and it. stole them. He stole it, or he seduced him, and Ricochet is like. To like you know oh my god I can't believe he just seduced me into giving me his into giving him him as my pants yeah and he doesn't want to say anything about it maybe like, maybe ricochet, ricochet was 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 cleaning out all his old ring gear yeah. put up on Craigslist or something yeah, that's what I'm thinking yeah and Velveteen Dream saw it yeah and said this could work he clicked by now yeah yeah exactly um in any event I loved the basic premise of this as and we'll get to the Hulk Hogan stuff in a second but. I love the basic premise of this as Ricochet's first singles takeover match. Anything you can do, Velveteen can Velveteen Dream can do better because it's taking it's it's framing everything Ricochet does, everything he brings to the table, everything he brings to NXT, which and is WWE, incredible, which is all incredible stuff, and it's showing why he is the one and only. It's showing why he is the only guy in wrestling who can do what he does. You've got the the one person in the WWE, in NXT, who could potentially approximate what he does, and he couldn't do it better than Ricochet because only Ricochet can do what he does. The perfect introduction on on, on this scale of, of Ricochet. I yeah, thought, I thought yeah. that premise going in was so clever. It was so apropos. We get to see exactly why Ricochet, there's only one Ricochet. Yeah. That was a great premise. Velveteen Dream, however, steals everything he's a part of. He <laughs> evidently pants. Um, well, he might have bought him. He shows up with full Hulk Hogan. Well, he has the feather boas. He has the feather boas. He has the a yellow shirt that says Dream's still over. As opposed to the Hulk still rules. Yeah, he has the headband that says the same thing. Or and the bandana, all the mannerisms. Sorry. And he... The he, wrist tape, yeah, everything. He fit in his own thing. With the Hogan posing. Along with the Hogan posing. All the way up to, and I'm sad that we didn't get big boot leg drop. Yeah, that's I know. my only thing that I'm sad about. But including the strut where Hogan like sort of sticks oh, his he, butt out. He even did this. He did this, and he was doing this as he jogs around his opponent to start the match. Yeah. I really hope we get a sequel where he comes out as Hollywood. That's probably going to be besides. Well, the my point. worry is that someone on main sees this and thinks, "Oh, wow, he's really good at impersonating." Don't say that, old wrestlers. Oh, he's going to do the Damian Sandow. Oh, don't say that. I hope they don't. They... Yeah, I hope that doesn't happen. Um, but anyways, this Hogan Prince Puma amalgam entrance worked on so many levels. There's a yeah, there was a lot going on there. So there was obviously the Prince Puma thing, which fits into the storyline that I mentioned earlier. And also, I mean, like Velveteen Dream changed his uh, Twitter uh, yeah. profile pic to yeah. Prince Puma. Yeah. Which, of course, is Ricochet's character in Lucha Underground, if, if, for those who might not watch Lucha Underground. Now, they incorporated it into the build, um, Ricochet bringing up that when Velveteen Dream, uh, you know, Patrick Clark, uh, was on Tough Enough, uh, he got eliminated, but then was given a contract regardless of that. Yeah. Um, so he's given everything, you know, and then Velveteen yes. Dream had the comedic line, I have no memory of that. Yeah. Which is great. But then who was he eliminated by? Hogan and Page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's that. There's obviously the connection of the stuff that Hogan's gone through with the fact that Velveteen Dream is a black man. Um, so there's that. Uh, and there's the, the 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 idea that Hogan has a reputation for burying up yes. and coming talent. Yes, yes, um, yes. And even though Patrick Clark is younger than Ricochet, um, has less in ring experience. During the match, he he Ricochet was down. He got in his face and was like. 
you know, I'm I'm homegrown. Mm-hmm. I am a wrestling god. Yeah. You go back to the bingo halls. Yes. So the idea, I, part of it, I think, was uh, Velveteen Dream was going to this match to essentially bury Ricochet. Yes. By outdoing him. Yes. Great. <laughs> Just so much going on there. I don't Where did he even get the idea to do this? Because when you think about it, it's got so much going on for it. And then he actually pulled it off. I am really curious to know what the what the genesis of that idea was. Yeah, I know. And what like levels of clearance there was. If if even half of Velveteen Dream is Patrick Clark, that kid is special. I mean, I already know he's special. Mm-hmm. But my God. The creative mind. The level of creativity here. Yeah. The it intelligence. Is, is out of this world, man. The awareness is out of this world. That is a special dude, man. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you that's a special All dude. All right, I'll, ch- I'll change my mind. Undisputed Era is not my favorite thing in NXT. It's Velveteen Dream. He, but then there's also Ricochet. Dude, he gives me chills. What do you think of Ricochet's new uh, ring gear? Oh, I love it. It's great. I love it. It's like Tanahashi-esque. He's got wings. Yeah, oh, on his, yeah he's got wings. That's on his, right. On his, on his jacket, and then his new pants are, are gorgeous. Dude, here's the thing, though. Yeah, it is very Tanahashi-esque. Huh? It is, yeah. It's ready, ready for a belt to be right it there. It is. It totally is. We should be sitting here talking endlessly about Ricochet because he is that great. But instead, we're talking about Velveteen Dream. Well, I was just, he steals I was, everything. I was, I was, I was, I was compartmentalizing here. We we're going to talk about Velveteen Dream first, move on, and then have our, our five minutes of Ricochet admiration yeah. because it is deserved. Oh, for sure, yeah, because absolutely. Yeah. The story of this match was, yeah, very much so. Velveteen Dream trying to keep up and surpass uh, Ricochet's feats of athleticism. Yeah. And early on, and boy, did we get some feats of athleticism. Yeah, Dream yeah. was game. Yeah, he was competing. He did that uh, uh that springboard senton type deal mm-hmm. where he jumped up knees off the top rope. Yeah, senton. That's a ricochet move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, yeah. shortly after that, he did the the step up tope off the middle rope mm-hmm. onto ricochet on the outside. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was only because uh, Velveteen Dream essentially reached the limits of his athletic ability that he lost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we'll get to that in a little bit because there's more beats to get through in this in this match because. Uh, they, this match kind of started kind of not to the same degree, but Dream's match against Alistair Black, where it was very technical to begin. Yeah, sure. Yeah. This match started on the mat. Mm-hmm. wasn't a whole lot of high flying stuff until someone got an early advantage, and it was it was Velveteen Dream who started doing the high flying stuff with the senton and the tope. Ricochet got the upper hand, and they hit a suicide dive, ran back in the ring, and then do, did a, a, a corkscrew tope over the top rope onto Velveteen Dream. Mm-hmm. Insane. Yeah. Um, they did a lot of spots on the second rope. They really did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cause, and, they, and they mirrored each other, which is actually pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, first time they were up there, uh, Dream got the upper hand, dropped the second rope, uh, Death Valley Driver, on Ricochet. But Ricochet kicked that too. Um, second time they're up there, uh, Dream gets the upper hand and, and suplexes uh, Ricochet. Villatine Dream's on the apron yeah. and suplexes Ricochet to the, the mat on the outside. Ow. <laughs> Wow. And the crowd, it was one of those moments. It was honestly, it was akin. It was kind of akin to like Trent's uh, plancha onto nothing. Yeah. Where it's one of those things was like, oh my God, that looks like it really just hurt. I know. Like, why would you do that? I know. Oh man, that was great. And then we have Ricochet trying to one up Velveteen Dream because he hits a Death Valley driver, mm-hmm. gets on the top rope, does Dream's pose, and uh, hits Purple Rainmaker. Dream kicks at it too. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and then this spot was insane. Usually, when someone hits a shooting star press, they're pretty like the person who's taking it is pretty close to the rope. <laughs> so that's so, right. So uh, Ricochet hits move on Dream near the ropes. He Ricochet starts, gets on the top rope. Yeah. Uh, Velveteen Dream rolls basically to the middle of the ring. Okay, so I, you know, you're watching this, and commentary sells it perfectly because it was one of those. Okay, intuitively, he's defensively rolling out of the range of either a six. 30, well, I have a six thirty, but also six thirty, but also also pretty much any high flying move, high be like a frog splash or a crossbody. Ricochet looks around and he hits a shooting star press. Yeah, to the middle of the damn ring. Whoa. Dream got his knees up, but yeah, he got he made it. He made it. He there. made it. Yeah. yeah. And then they did again. They did something that was the flip of that, where Ricochet ended up on basically one side of the ring. Velveteen Dream goes to the other side of the ring. Tries to coast-to-coast coast Purple Rainmaker. coast-to-coast coast Purple Rainmaker. And again, he would have hit it 
had it not been reversed, uh, I think Ricochet rolled out of the way or something. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. yeah. Um, but he was, I mean, you know, the feats of athleticism. Mm-hmm. And they weren't, we didn't even get to, we had to appreciate the attempts because neither of these, in these instances, they, they didn't hit. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I know. That's so great. And it makes you want, I mean, I'll say this, and I, I, we're probably not going to get it, although I, would love, I, I hope we do. This match would be prime for a sequel. Oh, yeah. Because there's so much stuff they did in this match that they could then revisit in a different way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That could be so much fun. I could watch these well, guys you wrestle could, you could month. You could have the dream say, okay, Ricochet, I tried to wrestle you in your type of match. And then just go to the other the other end of it. Like yeah. have him challenge Ricochet in a submission match or something like mm-hmm. that. I don't know. Yeah. Just to, to, to put a, a different spin on, on this feud because there's mileage to be get, yet to be There's a lot to be gained from this because there's a lot to get into you still could. But NXT I mean it's, it's kinda of the same with Alistair Black. NXT often just sort of leaves you wanting more and that's it. Yeah. Um, in any event, I mean, that's what kind of makes it, except for, you know, obviously Ciampa Gargano, man. They're they're really going in all that. Oh, yeah, and they're going to have another one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in any event, Ricochet did get the win. He had 630 on Dream's back. After he missed the Purple Rainmaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Great match. Oh, just absolutely stellar match. Uh, after that, we had Nikki Cross versus Shayna Baszler. This was more, and you kind of knew this going in, this had way more to do with character mm-hmm. than any stellar ring work from either mm-hmm. of them. I mean, they're both they're both fantastic wrestlers and everything. I think Nikki Cross more, more so than Shayna Baszler. But uh, this is all just an extension of what we've seen already. Nikki Cross, crazy as crap. Shayna Baszler used to tapping people out, but she's never really dealt with crazy to this degree. Right, exactly. Um, and uh, if this is uh, Nikki Cross's NXT farewell, it's very fitting. Mm-hmm. Um, a good way to send her off to the main roster. Yeah. Um, early on, Nikki, uh, right as the bell rang, she looks at Shayna and says, "Do it, mm-hmm. do it." Yeah. Yeah. Starts like you know gesturing with her hands to put the put the choke on her, and Shayna's like, "What are you, what are you talking about?" Um, and then she gets down. I think she gets turns her back to her. Says mm-hmm. again. She does. Yeah. Gets down. I think she gets on her knees too. and does it? Doesn't I she? Think so. Um, Shane doesn't do it. She delivers just. Shane was delivering some vicious knees to Nikki throughout this mm-hmm. entire match. Yeah. Um, there's a spot where uh, Nikki Cross gets a sleeper on Shane. The Baszler happened once in the ring. Again on the outside. Um, and once they get to the outside, Shane uh, drops Nikki back first across the base of the ramp, which of course is just uh, steel. Mm-hmm. It's metal. Yeah. yeah. So that was a rough spot. And then uh, Shayna was destroying Nikki with a couple knees, and Nikki was just no-selling him, yeah. laughing. Yeah, yeah. Huge smile, yeah. screaming at her. She eats the third, more screaming, more laughing, and then Nikki catches the fourth. Um, Cross hits a reverse DDT on Shayna on the apron, rolls her back in, but Shayna kicks out at two. Um, eventually, Shayna gets her uh, rear naked choke on Nikki, and they did you know spot we've seen a bunch of times where the face, instead of tapping, will just pass out. Mm-hmm. But there was, there was this great moment where, where Nikki was kind of smiling and laughing. And yeah, she does like a smile as she's drifting off to sleep, basically. Mm-hmm. It was a twist on, like you, like you said, the, the face just passes out instead of taps out. Um, and then when she woke up, she smiled again. Um, so whatever it was she was looking for in that head of hers, she found. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for, for her, this wasn't obviously necessarily a about. loss. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it wasn't necessarily a loss, exactly. Um, so it was it was a fun character, but I'm I'm totally fine with Shayna Baszler them focusing more on her character matchups. Yeah, um, because there are some fantastic characters in the NXT Women's Division, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably a smart way to go. She's she's probably not at the level where she's going to put on like a four or five star match, and so you know what you want to be doing is building her character so she doesn't. There's the danger that with the MMA thing, she could be one-dimensional. Yeah, I think yeah, this yeah. was a great a great way to ensure that that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, they've done a really good job of building up uh, her character. She's done a great job uh, portraying that character mm-hmm. thus far. Uh, then we saw, uh, so they, <laughs> EC3 was chilling in the crowd. Yeah. They, we got a shot at But him. he's already signed to NXT. He's so, already, yeah. <laughs> he's been around for a bit. He wasn't had a match tonight. But then we saw Keith Lee. <laughs> yeah, we saw Keith Lee. Oh, that was great. He's got the, the nicest smile in NXT, man. He's so, he's got such a, a what is the word? Kind smile. <laughs> and that dude is awesome. Yeah. So that's very exciting. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. That is going to be great. When Ricochet was in... Ricochet was in the crowd. Mm-hmm. They call him Trevor Man or Ricochet. They called him Trevor Ricochet, Ricochet Man. Man. Yeah, okay, I remember that now. Uh, 
So then we had uh, our NXT title bout. Yeah, Lars, Lars Sullivan. Sullivan challenging Alistair Black. Um, this was a pretty, you know, the story of the larger, stronger opponent trying to overpower the quicker, faster, more agile opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much the story going on here. Because um, very early on, Alistair just started overpowering. Lars, sorry, Lars. Lars started overpowering Alistair Black. Um, that spot where you talked about this uh, the other day to me, I think prior to, uh, I don't think I'd seen this, the show yet, um, where Lars pretty early on goes for a diving headbutt off the top rope. Yeah. And Alistair got his knee up. A knee up, yeah. Yeah. And so kind of took the brunt of Lars Sullivan's weight, or at least upper body weight, on mm-hmm. his knee. What I noticed is when he got the knee up, he kind of was bracing it with his hands. Mm, interesting. Okay. So it wasn't like he was just eating it and all I know, with his knee. I know, yeah, I know that Lars, he did, it's not like he landed flush on the knee. He's com- coming at it from an angle. But still, that's a lot of weight. That's a dangerous spot. At a very high velocity. Yeah. But give it up for Lars Sullivan and Alistair Black, of course. But Lars Sullivan for... Kind of slipped into his voice there. <laughs> for Alistair Black. Uh, for getting up there and uh, and doing that, yeah. Um, I mean, he's doing he's doing some stuff. It, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when I watch him do the things that he's doing, I understand that it's it adds so much to his move set. But sometimes it looks like it's gonna end bad. You know what I mean? Like his knees are already not great because he had a knee injury. Oh, Lars Sullivan. Yeah, yeah. Lar- yeah I'm talking about Lars Sullivan. Yeah, yeah. Alistair Black is great. I don't like his. His, 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 he didn't do that this time. No, he did didn't. He, yeah. he, when he did his moonsault, it was a move, and he held on the ropes. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, but no, Lars Sullivan. He does a lot of stuff that sort of, you know, it's like, oh, wow, big man did that. You know, guys falling on him. Um, oh, yeah, you always worry about guys of that yeah. size. I mean... I mean, launching yourself off the top and just splashing down is one thing. That's, you know... But still, with guys of that great, size but, who are tall and carrying a lot of weight... yeah. Probably yeah, not he's great. Like Three hundred pounds. That takes a lot of. That takes a toll on your back and knees. Yeah, I would think so. But you know, when guys are fall are flying on you, when you're deadlifting people, mm-hmm. you know, it, it kind of makes me hurt a little bit. And I just want to say, hey, big man, slow down a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, mat based wrestling. Take care of yourself. It's okay to sit on or lay on somebody and just drop elbows on them. He has time. got a great face though. Yeah, that face is fantastic. Yeah, I can see him on SmackDown soon, kind of assuming a Braun Strowman oh, type role. I could totally see that. Um, so after that uh, spot, Alistair sells a knee injury, and then uh, Lars is selling uh, a shot to the chin. Soften uh-huh. him up for three black masses. One of which actually hit. No, two of them hit. One hit. Connected with them. So uh, for a while, Alistair had the upper hand. Um, Lars started attacking the knee again. Put, him, put uh, Alistair in the stretch muffler. Mm-hmm. And it's not very often you see someone in the stretch muffler, and then the person who's doing it stand up and start swinging the other person around. That was insane. Yeah. Um, Lars goes for a freak accident. Alistair reverses with the DDT mm-hmm. to the outside or to the apron. Alistair with a flurry of kicks. Lars just picks him up and power slams around the apron. <laughs> yeah. A lot of apron spots. Yeah. All right. This is the finish. So we're back in the middle of the ring. Alistair hits the black mass, at least scripted to do so. It misses by probably about that much. It, put up your fingers? About that much. You just put him in too far, too far. It was like this much. It was super obvious that it missed. Oh, yeah, it's totally missed. And, and it well, didn't he, help he, that Lars <laughs> Lars stood there for a second and then sold it. Yeah, I know. I, I know. think I think if Lars had sold it immediately, it wouldn't have been quite as noticeable because he would have seen movement as the foot's coming through. And the camera was at an angle. It Where you saw it all. Well, yeah. It yeah, yeah, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't head on. It was over this way a little bit. No, so it was an A cam. It was a hard cam. It wasn't like this. It was like this. It was a hard cam. I'm pretty sure it was a hard cam because you saw the whole ring. Um, but in any event, it, I kind of want to look at it now. Right. I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, you totally saw yeah, that it completely whiffed. Yeah, you, you totally did see the whiff. Um, and commentary, they realized that because at first they said black mass, and they were like, uh, 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 didn't actually, catch it all. You didn't, didn't get all of it. It looks like it didn't connect with everything or anything at all. And so, so in my book, it's not a black mass. If it's scripted to be a black mass, then it's a black mass. I put in the WWW network. <laughs> Idiot. So anyways, Lars sells it as if it connected. Uh, Alistair goes to the pin. Lars kicks at it too. Uh-huh. Um, Alistair goes for another black mass. Lars catches it. We think, oh, is this where Lars is going to take advantage. Oh. No. Uh, Alistair hits another black mass. Lars... Uh, gets up to his knees pretty quickly, 
a third black mass. Mm -hmm. um, Alistair picks up the win. He retains the NXT championship. Yeah, that third one was fantastic because they did a really great job with uh, a close-up uh, on Lars Sullivan right before... It was before this one. Yeah. Okay. Um, right before... Oh, okay. So that's the shot I remember. Oh, yeah. So we're both right. It was... They, he, they realize it missed, and so they switch from the hard cam to the... Uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. The corner cam. So there's A cam, and there's... Okay, so yeah. Right. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so so anyways, but now the second one, you're, it connected, but it connected like up here. Black Mass is Alistair Black spinning heel kick. Irrelevant where it hits. I don't think it is. If you hit somebody with the Black Mass on the ass cheek... You can't like they're not, you're not gonna get the pin on that. Like you gotta go. It's the head. Connection is with the head. Well, here's the thing about it this way. Since he didn't get it in the head the second time, that's why Lars is able to get to his knees so quickly, and then take the final black mass for the win. It's the black mass spinning heel kick. It's the move, regardless where it hits. I think it was it was booked for the. For Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What if the, the story head? of the match is that uh, Alistair Black is working over um, Lars Sullivan's knee? And that's he's chopping him down that way to get the upper hand, and say he has hand. he has a I, I don't even think this is possible. I'm going to say it anyways. He has Lars in the tree of woe. Oh, and so you know his knees there, his leg is hooked under the turnbuckle, black mass to the knee. Yeah, I telling the story. I, it's a black mass. Yeah, I don't know. The black mass is a move regardless of the target. All right, let's say we replace we replace black mass with like a shotgun blast. All right. I'm, I'm actually helping you with your point right here, man. You're giving me the eye roll. What a bastard. Anyways, it's, I get what you're saying. It's, it's, but I think the black mass at its most effective would be a headshot. Right. Yes, I agree. Yeah. But also if you're thinking about within the context of the match, if he hits it in the shoulder, it might knock Lars down based on the force of that spinning heel kick, but it's not enough to defeat him, which required the third one while Lars was Let on the Let me ask you to be honest here. Let me ask you to be absolutely Because I could always say, you know, to... Anyway, sorry, continue. When you originally... Because I'm honest with you. Yeah, I, don't I think, think you're, so. I don't think you're always honest with me. I'm always honest. When you originally made that prediction, when I say, or when the question was posed, how many black masks uh -huh. would it take? Yeah. And you say three black masses. Correct. Aren't you thinking three black masses to the head? Because that's the finisher. That's the that's what finishes. Yes, I understand. People. That's the most effective uh, uh, target for the black mass. But also in my mind, I, I pictured it where he hit one, Lars would stumble, he hit another, Lars would stumble, he hit another, like three consecutive. In my mind, that's how it worked. He'd been just like spinning heel kick repeatedly. Somebody tweeted at us. Uh, so, and I was fine, like watching spoilers and stuff on Twitter. I was fine with that because I know that no matter what you see on Twitter, it never matches up like the match. Yeah. You need context for the match, the story exactly. being told. It's so always on, so the thing. Um, and they said, well, I guess that some, I think somebody tweeted at, well, I guess that's three black masses. Ha ha ha. Or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, and in my head I was like, oh man, did he do some sort of like, like spinning three times black mass thing. That's what I was thinking. Like that the would have been imagine badass. Like, bang, bang, bang. Three right. black masses in That'd a row. That'd be cool. No, but I think I'll, 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 I will give you credit. I think that it was the, the spirit of the match. The intention was for three black masses exactly. to connect to the head. Exactly. However, I like going by what I see in the ring. Yeah. So we will agree that it. Well, I mean, it was, it was kind of, it's a moot point because. You already lost predictions at that point. It wasn't like that was going to you know, decide things either way. Uh, you know way. what, man? I go on a limb. I know Velveteen Dream is going to lose. Well, then you should have go with that. I, well, that's what I went with. All right, I fine. I just changed well, it the last one. minute. Still one because there was three black masks. No, there wasn't three black masks. There was one. No, there was three. There was one actual one and one of the three. shoulders. Let me, me ask you something. When Seth Rollins does a super kick to someone's knee, is it still a super kick? Not really. Isn't yes. There, isn't there like a like a height level for a no. super kick? No. Super kick is the action of doing that particular kick, a standing side kick. That's a super kick. I think you're wrong about that. No. You are not a wrestler. Uh, let's move on. Johnny Gargano wow. is backstage. Well, hold on. I, we, let's 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 talk about a few things here because we're not going to talk about Black Mass more, are we? No, we're done with that. Okay, cool. We're, we're talking about symbolism in wrestling because I think it's very important to this feud in the storyline. So you got the crutch. Yes. The crutch is a symbol. Correct. It's a symbol of of of. Tommaso Ciampa's bitterness, resentment, 
disdain, hatred of Johnny Gargano. He used it extensively before their first match to beat up Johnny Gargano repeatedly. And there was a moment in their first match where Gargano, in his hands, had a, a Hand. crutch busted in half. Yeah. And he could have looked like he was about to impale Tommaso Ciampa with it. Oh, yeah. Instead, he didn't. He did not give in to his own hate yeah. of Ciampa. Instead, he showed tenderness, compassion, sat next to the man who had betrayed him. And, and, and got swerved. And got swerved. But he didn't use the crutch to win. He used the knee brace. Mm-hmm. And the knee brace is to hold together the wound, mm-hmm. the most, I guess, obvious uh, visual manifestation of the of the injuries that uh, Ciampa suffered prior to and during uh, their tag match against Authors of Pain last year at NXT TakeOver Chicago, yes. which is the source of, of uh, his resentments towards Johnny Gargano. So it, it, the finish of the first match was Gargano using uh, uh, Ciampa's own emotional, psychological injuries against him to win. Now, in the lead-up to this second match, we thought they're kind of spinning their wheels a little bit. Yeah, some a little of bit, this. Yeah. But once I saw uh, Candice hand Johnny that piece of crutch, I was like, oh, now it all makes sense. They had to hit those beats to drive Johnny to the edge where he would succumb to his own hate and kind of become what he didn't want to be. He's essentially become, by the end of this match, Tommaso Ciampa himself. They recreated the spot from Chicago last year. This time with Johnny have the upper hand, there's a spot where he's sitting on top of those production crates, mm-hmm. kind of soaking it all in. And he had a moment there where he could have said, this is enough. I've done too much. I put this person through a table. They're getting stretchered out. You know, I can retain my humanity while besting, you know, getting the upper hand of this contest. But I can retain my humanity. Instead, he chooses not to. And it leads to his defeat. Mm-hmm. Um, so at, I'm guessing... Next time we see, I hope they do this, because like Ciampa's knee brace is kind of mechanical, almost robotic-looking thing. <laughs> yeah. The next time we see Johnny Gargano, because last time he had neck brace on, it was in the soft ones. This time he needs the hard plastic one with all the metal mm-hmm. supports on it. Mm-hmm. Um, like each of them have to have that, that symbolic... Visual representation. Of, of their emotional and psychological injuries, as well as their physical ones. Yeah, I like that you bring up the, the, the shift in his, uh, in his mindset with the humanity stuff, because that's... That's what corresponded with the uh, mm-hmm. wedding ring bit. I, yeah. I love that. I yeah. thought that was so great. And you're right. The stuff where they where they mirrored um, the that previous match where Johnny's sitting up there. It's it's all great stuff. Like it's it's so it's so. Crazy. So they've touched on the first match. They referenced their cruiserweight classic moment where Gargano mm-hmm. beat Ciampa, and you could maybe say that's the start of Ciampa's resentment towards his former friend and tag team partner. This one obviously referenced their their Chicago uh, breakup mm-hmm. in the third match in Brooklyn. I'm trying to think what they may reference because at Brooklyn two they had a tag title match against Revival that Johnny tapped out to a knee bar. Mm-hmm. They didn't win that night, mm-hmm. so I'm trying to think if they could reference that in some way. But then when they well, won if- the tag titles in Tor- the Toronto Survivor Series weekend. If they can, there's something there they can reference. You might be going backwards, though. What if, 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 if the Gargano sort of shift, sort of continues along maybe a natural evolution, assuming Candice isn't the one to bring him back to his humanity. What if the next one sees Gargano in the role of, you know, the, the battered guy coming back for more with the this stuff, yeah, and the camo. And, well, then he's you gonna, know. you know, I mean, I think at the end of this, if Gargano's gonna, well, there's. In my mind, this is what I hope they do. Third match is, is an I quit match. And literally, if you say I quit, you're done with NXT. Yeah. That would be perfect. That would be ideal. There's two ways you can go. There's a point in this match where Johnny realizes he's on the verge of going too far, realizes it's not worth destroying himself to destroy this man. And in the process of that, regains his humanity and wins. Ciampa goes to the main roster. Or he has that same moment of realization, but that causes him to lose. Mm-hmm. Whereas he says, it's, you know, it, 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 it may be in some level satisfying to destroy you, Tommaso Ciampa, but in the end, it's going to destroy me more. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to take the, the loss here to save myself. I think it's got to be Ciampa giving up. I think there's, there's one, because there's one moment during this match, there's one moment during this match that I think can, can, can go, can sort of be the road to I quit for Ciampa. And that's when he was sitting down on the stage area and he starts screaming, they don't know, none of them know, nobody knows, only I know. 
That's still kind of a big question mark. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. something he's talking about that obviously we haven't seen publicized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, oh, Johnny stole my moment. There's something else potentially there. And it could be fairly abstract. It could be something relationship wise, you know, whatever going on in his own head that he's alluded to. But I feel like that level of emotional distress, of desperation that Chomp is feeling to bring him to this point should be the thing that leads him to saying, I quit. I can see that same level of desperation in his voice when he's saying, they don't know, none of you knows. Um, I can see that level of desperation in his voice, you know, hearing that when he says, I quit. Mm-hmm. You know, when he just emotionally breaks down and he can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's kind of obvious that some of this is tearing him apart also. Yeah, and I love how they've been showing that physically. After the first match, we had the, the rock tape on his face. Right, exactly. Yeah. And he'll be posting pictures on Twitter of mm-hmm. him bleeding and... Mm-hmm. You know, there was that one match he had on TV night against Gargano where he had like a huge scrape on his hip or something. And they just put, you know, like some sort of, I don't know, like medical tape or something over yeah. it to cover it up. But it's like, wow, he looks like he's literally falling apart. Yeah, he looks like growth hormones. Yeah, and um, it's great. I mean, no, it, yeah. it, it's in, in terms of telling the story, it's fantastic. Yeah, it really is. And I fully expect them to kind of go with that for Gargano now leading up to the next takeover. But he's got to have that moment where he's like, this isn't worth it for me, mm-hmm. for me, for my soul, for my humanity. This isn't worth it. This is destroying me doing yeah. this enough. Yeah. Whether he wins or loses because of that, I don't know. But, yeah. I mean, that's that, I feel like that's got to be the – I kind of wish – this is how I wish they would have done Bray Wyatt versus John Cena. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like the yeah. first match. Man, John Cena's in a Transformers movie. You don't know nothing about that stuff. No, no. He's a smart guy. What you're talking about here is like flipping, you know, I don't know, Scorsese level shit. Yeah, I know. You know. He's a Michael Bay guy. No, I know, but still, like the I know, it would have been great. I the know. ingredients were there for that. We don't on, see this a, kind of stuff on main roster very on, often. Even this on a depth basic of level, I this know. depth of you know emotion or character, we don't see it that much, and it's a shame because it's you know this is going to probably go down as feud of the year. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure, yeah, absolutely. You know? And it's funny too because I I felt kind of guilty afterwards for like doing the build a dis- like to this match, sort of a disservice. Um, I still think that there were some things they could have done that they did on social media that they probably should have put on NXT yeah. TV to break up the monotony. What It kind of felt like monotony of them, you know, doing all this stuff at Full Sail where it was a lot of talking. And then I was sort of put off by Candice. And even her bit where she said, go kick his ass. Um, I was like, man, I get that you're the cheering wife, but you are so much more than that. Like, you need to No, I agree with that. that. And I wonder if she'll come more into play. I mean, obviously, I I think they're way smarter than making it like a love triangle type thing. Um, But but I wonder if she'll come into play in some way that makes sense and and, and works um, a bit more than just sort of, you know, being a bystander. Mm -hmm. Um, But in any event, this was this was a fantastic match. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was just it was absolutely brutal. Yeah, it was. Oh my gosh! They're the the the. So both of them walked to the ring carrying a crutch. Johnny, the uh, old busted up one from the previous match, mm-hmm. and then Champa had a brand new one that was camo painted. Was this? Did this match, with the exception of the first few minutes and the last few minutes, this this wasn't in the ring that much? Not a ton, it? no. Yeah. Not a ton. Cool. It was just enough for like Champa to start destroying it. Oh, I know. That was fantastic. So they have they have an early crutch duel. Johnny gets the upper hand. They brawl out to the crowd. Um, there's a fan that uh, is holding up a, a Gargano sign. A very stiff Gargano yeah, sign. Yeah, Ciampa takes it for him, realizes there's something else going on with it, knocks on it. Uh, Gargano hits him, rips the uh, paper off the sign. It's a stop sign. Yeah. Speaking of metaphors and symbolism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, then they go back in the ring. Uh, Gargano goes under the ring, produces some trash cans, some more weapons. Um, uh, they eventually, you know, do some weapon brawling in the inside. Gargano hits a suicide dive, brawl on the outside. Um, uh, Ciampa puts a chair around Johnny's neck, and uh, oh, he brings yeah. the ring steps around. Ugh. So they're right in front of the ramp, and he just rams Johnny mm-hmm. right into the ring steps. Yeah. Ow. And then Johnny, I, I thought he was busted open because the ref was putting gloves on. Yeah. But I didn't really see any blood. Yeah. But anyways, he puts Johnny's head on the ring steps and just throws a chair at it. Mm-hmm. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Um, Johnny takes off his belt, starts destroying Ciampa with it. Yeah, that was good. Um, Crowd was eating it a lot. Oh, gosh. And there's great. a great spot where Ciampa hits Project Ciampa, follows it up with a knee with garbage can lid between his knee and Johnny's face. Mm-hmm. Johnny kicks out of two. Ciampa hits like his white noise type move on the ring steps. Yeah. Johnny kicks out at two. And this is the spot where Ciampa goes under the ring, like looking for a weapon. Instead, finds some bolt cutters and he cuts mm-hmm. the ties that keeps the canvas 
onto the ring. Starts stripping the mat away. Yeah. So it's just board. Board, exposed wooden boards underneath. Teases a move <coughs> off the top rope onto it. Um, but Johnny reverses. Cheeky Nando's mm-hmm. for Ciampa. Um, you can tell it's in this match because I wrote a lot of notes for it. It's like a yeah. page worth of notes. Yeah. Now there's a spot where Johnny hits a super kick on Ciampa. Ciampa hits him with the crutch. They both fall. Uh, Johnny falls on top of Ciampa. Mm-hmm. Ciampa finds a way to kick out it too. Um, Johnny oh, just yeah, this is goes great. for the plancha yeah. over the top rope and Ciampa throws a garbage can lid at him right at his face. <laughs> right at his face. Gosh. Mid-air, yeah. Um, uh, Ciampa goes for a running knee. Gargano gets out of the way, so Ciampa ends up being the ring steps. And then Gargano goes after his knee with the chair because um, Ciampa's like trying to take the knee brace off. Mm-hmm. But he, Another little story beat, like in referencing the first one, where it was that moment where, you know, Ciampa took off the knee brace to really give it, give a good knee to Gargano. And again, Gargano exploited all that for, to ultimately win the match. But rather than, you know, take a similar tact, letting uh, Ciampa give Gargano the opening essentially to, to, to victory, he just went and started wailing the way on the knee mm-hmm. of the chair. Yeah. That's an inter- interesting difference between the first two matches, or first match and the second. Um, Ciampa put Gargano and Gargano escape. Um, Gargano starts reaching for the busted up crutch mm-hmm. and Ciampa starts dropping forearms on Johnny's neck. God. There's like six forearms in a row. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyways, Ciampa hits Johnny in the neck with the crutch. Kick at it too. Um, and then they start walking up the ramp. Uh, obviously referencing last time they were in Chicago the, where, yeah. where Ciampa's up talking to Gargano all the way up. Mm-hmm, yeah. Throws him into the LED screen again. Mm-hmm. They start making their way over to some Cause the announce table wasn't over there like it was last time. Yeah, yeah. So they there's some production crates set up um, with a table below. So they worked their way up there, and uh, Champa um, takes the the uh, Gargano's wedding ring off his finger. Talks looks at loogie it, at it, spits on it, and throws. He chucks it. it. Yeah. And then uh, Gargano takes the opportunity to white noise Champa <laughs> off of that through the table. And I realized there was a piece of carpet taped on the floor there, probably with about a quarter inch of. Padding, yeah. How? Yeah, dude. Looks no. like Gargano could have broke his tailbone on that yeah, spot. This, yeah, this. It looked it looked bad because it was pretty high up there. It was pretty high. So uh, Gargano gets up on the the production crate, sits down, obviously referencing the last time in Chicago, mm-hmm. where Champa was was sitting on the announce table, kind of surveying the damage he had caused. Yeah. After turning on his best friend and tag team partner, uh, medical staff come down, put the collar on Champa, put him on a stretcher, mm-hmm. and you see Gargano processing. And he starts looking at his hand and he notices that his ring is gone. And that's what he, he snaps completely. Yeah. Completely snaps. Yeah. Um, and so uh, this Nigel had a great line. He says, has Gargano become what he despised? Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the, story. the obvious answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so anyways, uh, Gargano starts fighting off all the security and medical staff. Uh, takes the stretcher, rolls it down the ringside with Ciampa on it, dumps him off. Well, it's great because like he's... He doesn't. He doesn't roll it down. He grabs it and starts trucking down to the ring yeah. with it until with purpose. Him, yeah, with purpose. Exactly. Yeah, he's got it with him, and he's got this look on his face he haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, there is a, a total turn happening. Yeah, here. yeah. Um, uh, he dumps him off stretcher, puts some Gargano escape. Champa starts tapping, but the ref just disappeared. I don't know where the ref went. No, it was when uh, the ref was up at the ramp. When Johnny threw everybody oh. off, of Ch- uh, everybody was trying to attend to Champa. They were trying to keep him away, and he chucked one of the the helpers. I think he was probably a performance center guy into the ref. Gotcha, gotcha. Who then fell. Gotcha. That's why he was gone. Gotcha, gotcha. So Champa's tapping, but no one's around to see it. Uh, Gargano puts Champa in handcuffs. Hit six six consecutive super kicks. Oh, that was beautiful. That was so beautiful. It was just because he would, Ciampa was on his uh, he was on his knees. Yeah. And it was just whack, whack, whack. And from all angles, whack. Yeah, it oh, was crazy. It was, it was fantastic. Puts him back in the Gargano escape. Still no wrath. Mm-hmm. So security's down in the ring. They, they tear him apart. Um, Johnny beats them all up. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Ciampa rolls over to the exposed wooden area of the ring. Ref is back in the ring. Um, Gargano walks around the ring is about to enter where the exposed wooden boards are. Ciampa grabs him, DDTs him, through the ropes onto the exposed wood, yeah, yeah. Um, gets the cover and gets the pin. Yeah. Ciampa wins. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a great moment afterwards where Ciampa makes his way out of the ring and has to use the stretcher that he was boarded to earlier and kind of 
pulls himself up so he can walk up the ramp. Yeah. And the crowd at that point, at the very end, because Chomp, Chompa, I think, does his goodbye thing. Yeah, yeah. The crowd is full-on, fuck you, Chompa. Yeah. Yeah, just over and over again. It was it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. It was so good. So, like, you know, man, what a match. Great and, storytelling. And it, and it honestly does leave me wanting more. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really curious to see where they go. Mm-hmm. Because it can't just be Gargano and Candice showing up and talking a lot. It's it's, yeah, it's no, got to be, be some, about literally Gargano you know, losing his humanity and in, 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 yeah. in, in the process by which he reclaims it. And I'm, I'm really curious to know if the, if, if in just a small way, if the ring is going to come into play, not huge, but could they have, where it's going to be, could you they know, have these two guys somehow do a spot where they destroy the ring. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Well, I meant his wedding ring. Oh, that's what I meant, you know, because he chucked it into yeah, God yeah, knows yeah, where, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it'd be kind of curious. I'm kind of curious to know if that's going to turn into a symbol of his humanity, you know? Yeah, like you have to gone. reclaim that. Yeah. It's gone, and you know, next time I see him, I don't want to see that wedding ring because mm-hmm. I want him still to be in that mindset. Mm-hmm. And Candace is going to be mm-hmm. like, dude, you know, you haven't even looked for that thing yeah. or whatever. I don't yeah, know, yeah, something yeah. cheesy, not too overboard with it. Yeah, because you don't want to get into cheesy territory. But still want them to destroy the ring somehow. The actual ring would be good too. Yeah, that'd be like crazy. The wrestling ring. Yeah, yeah, they can find a way to do it. That'd be great. Sure, they could do it. Just take some axes. I mean, you know, axe match. No, I mean with like a spot. Mm-hmm. With axes. All right. Like a gun that A fires. different kind of lumberjack match. Huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, a literal lumberjack <laughs> match. Exactly. A bonfire match. Anyways, fantastic takeover. I, yeah, it, really good show. It's amazing they can string these together. Just, you know. So easily. Well, I'm sure it's not easy, but it's, right. it's, it's, it's they've, they've really done a great job of, of setting incredibly high expectations for every takeover and somehow exceeding those expectations. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm cause I'm, I'm absolutely curious. Like if there's any time, if there's any time I'd love to see a 24, it would be for NXT for these takeovers because especially with this Gargano Ciampa stuff, like the, the levels of detail in the storytelling and it's it's so it's so in depth. I would love to know who is producing this. I know, stuff, you know, I know what the level of involvement because it's got to be deep. Oh yeah, Gargano, Champa, probably Candice LeRae as well. Yeah, um, and then you know who else is is in the mix doing this stuff? Mm-hmm. I mean, and you got to assume that you know Triple H is overseeing it all too. You would think, yeah, you would think, but I'm really curious to know who the creative is behind. Oh, me that too, stuff because it's it's just absolutely fantastic. Uh, any event. So yeah, we're gonna find out. I guess. Well, this week we're gonna get the. Uh, it's War Raiders versus TM Six One, and uh, then yeah. Dakota Kai versus Bianca Belair. The recap episode. Recap episode. Those recaps. should be two good matches, though. And there'll probably be some funny promos too. Yeah. Um. But then, yeah. So they're probably gonna have some tapings this week or next week or something. Yeah. Are they taping? Well, I don't know about that. Are they taping NXT NXT stuff in England? I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea either. We'll find out though. In any event, that's our show. Yeah. Thanks for watching. Hilton, is there any music around to be had or to be played right now? Can you do that for us? I'll do that. There we go. Oh, wait, no. There we go. Thank you, Hilton. Thank you, Hilton. Thank you. Anyways, that's it for the show. Thanks so much for watching. Until next time, buddy. Bye.